All right. Welcome to the fourth episode of Number the four. No Concept Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Darcy. <laughs> and I'm Katie, the Sh- other host. She's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> the better one. Oh, no. Alphabetically first. No, alphabetically second. We yeah. did it right. Yes. I forgot my last name for a minute. <laughs> Oops. Um, we are a podcast for you first-time listeners, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast right now. A podcast that conducts interviews um, from our home base in central Nebraska with people that we find interesting. Uh, each week, one of us prepares a topic, and the other one has to share her knowledge of the topic. Am I doing a good job I on this so. intro? The only thing would be every two weeks, oh, not each week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess... That's all the banter for today. I don't have any good banter. Oh, what well, we, we learned to, things. Yes, what we learned. Oh, gosh. So every episode, we Katie and I talk about something that we learned the week preceding uh, to show that we do actually learn things on our own. We're not just walking through the world blind. Um, I'll start because I have kind of a cool one. Um, did you know that there's a Frank Lloyd Wright house in McCook? No. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, one of probably the most famous American architect. Can you name another architect? Uh, I was an architecture major. And no. This is embarrassing <laughs> I can't right now off the top of my head. Uh, Not yeah. an American one. Who's Gaudi? Is Gaudi's not American? Is Gaudi who does all the weird Barcelona stuff? I know nothing about architecture, first of all. I don't well, I knew you had to do a lot of calculus to get into the architecture program. I don't that the thing that got me out of it was the line drawings. Oh yeah, pass. Like twirl the pencil and if you ever make any mistake at all, start over. So precise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, not for me. I only failed one college class in my whole life. And do you want to know what it was? <laughs> <laughs> Rendering, which is literally <laughs> you paint pictures. It's like a theater. So my degree is film and new media and it's a theater like base. And basically they just have you do different. It's like an art class. Oh, and I, see, I would have liked that. I hated it. I hated every second of it. I don't see it. you as like a visual art no, I hated person, it. though. And I skipped it. It was in the morning. It was like my first class of the day. It was only two days a week or something, but I skipped a lot of it. Um, and the teacher, God bless her, took mercy on me um, because it was like the fall semester of my senior year. And the the spring semester, it wasn't going to be offered again until the fall. So I would have had to stay another year in college oh. if she had. So she let me make it up and like redo. I, so the spring semester for no credit, I just redid every one of the assignments. Oh. And then she bumped me up to a passing grade. Oh, I didn't fail it. I got a, in the major, you could had to get like a C plus or something right. in every major class. And I got like a C. But anyway. Oh. So she bummed you up so that it counted. So I could graduate, yeah. (laughs) So I was thinking, though, back to Frank Lloyd Wright, right? I kept thinking the Guggenheim thinking was that designed by someone else, but I just Googled it and it was Frank Lloyd Wright. So fine. Oh, really? So I I didn't know that. I come up with another architect, apparently. He's the one. He's the one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, he's got a house in McCook. Yeah, I want to go to it. It's got a really cool, I'll post the link uh, in the notes for this episode, but there's a really cool NET piece about sort of the history of the house and and the woman who designed it originally apparently Frank Lloyd Wright came out to see it once 
And she had started altering, like tweaking the plans as they were oh, going oh. on her own. And he came out to see it once and was like, it's an abomination and, and left. He <laughs> it did not since, approve of that. Yeah, it's since been restored to Wright's original drawings. And, you know, there's people who love it now that live there. But, you yeah. know, it's really interesting. Um, so my fact is um, ugh, not great. I always, <laughs> I, for some reason, I can't think ahead on these things because that's too hard. So... Did you know, Darcy, that, or I guess let me, let me make you guess what percentage. What percentage of laughter comes after jokes? Percentage of laughter? Yeah. Comes like, after Percentage jokes? of times that people laugh, is it because of a joke versus other oh. reasons for laughing? Hmm. Me personally, I'm saying I'm laughing after jokes 7% of the time. I'm laughing conversationally 93% of the time. <laughs> well, you would be lower than the average. Then what? this is 20%. Oh. But um, the rest is, it's a, the, the thing that I was reading about, that it's just like conversational reacting to statements and questions and things like that. Yeah. But it talks about it because it helps with social bonds and helps people grow closer. Oh. Yeah. So it makes me feel a little bit better better. Like the first time we listened to the podcast, we're so, so much, much laughing, yeah, giggling and laughing, and I was like, "Oh my god, do we really laugh that much?" But yeah, maybe we do, and that's good. Maybe one of my biggest joys has been my dad trying to figure out what a podcast is. <laughs> he has no idea what it is, and literally, he's like, "Oh, so are they like Bob and Tom?" And like, well, unfortunately, we do sound a bit like that, a yeah. little bit. Has he listened? Yeah, uh, at least to one. I think. I think two so far uh so with that i suppose we move into our topic okay here it goes i don't know if there's going to be a lot of our pre-discussion for this topic to be honest um so i heard our guest speak a couple weeks ago uh and he just has a really really compelling life story it's one of our more overtly christian topics uh, well, because you chose the topic and you like to do things that are religious. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just really like to dig into it. Um, so I guess maybe, do you feel like there's a time in your life where you've made a really big jump that seemed to make sense to no one else but you? Huh. Um, when I quit going to school. Like, for real, like, because before that, I had struggled, I guess, after, so I was an architecture major, and then I was an education major, and then I was, you know, undeclared, and then I was an English major, and then, and I just kept floundering. Like, I wasn't doing well, I wasn't going to class, I didn't, I wasn't engaged. Um, I was more concerned about having a social life, and I had a job, and school just wasn't my priority, and I, I just didn't like it. And, um... So finally, I'm broke, I'm tired of acquiring student debt and not going anywhere, and always feeling poor and stressed and like I'm disappointing people, you know? So finally, I just quit. I just quit school. And I know it's stressed out. Like, for some reason, I think I can remember my brother and sister specifically. I feel like we're super stressed out about it. And I never had any doubt in my head that I would go back eventually, but to them, it was just unfathomable that I would quit school. I don't know. Yeah, I did that when I moved back, I feel like, because I had a very um, 
good thing going in LA and I'd been down a very specific path and I, Mm -hmm. and I had made the decision to look back, to move back, um, without a job lined up without a, I mean, really was a step of faith that I just thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. And it was about a year of crying and feeling super torn about it, you know? Um, and I feel like that's kind of how God, when, when God wants something from me, it's hard to miss. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like there's always this is what you should be doing. And then he was really great. And he provided me with this amazing job out of the blue that I had no business getting. And, you know, and, and I really like how things have, because I took that step. Yeah. Um, our pastor a couple weeks ago said, and I'm summarizing, so I can't remember the exact quote, but when you have a relationship with God, you get to experience the supernatural. And I keep thinking about that little, turn of phrase and the things you see line up and the doors you see open sometimes. Right. Um, that maybe don't make sense to anybody else. Right. Um, but or maybe even to you at the time. Right. I feel like it was that way for me when I moved back to Holdridge because really nothing had changed for me in Lincoln. All of a sudden I just wasn't content yeah. anymore. I just, I think part of it was burnout. Like I was just over the tax season and constantly being stressed and, you know, mm. and part of it, I don't know. I couldn't explain it. I just wasn't happy anymore. And, um, I had turned down an opportunity to move home the year before. And then another one came up and, you know, it was super hard. And I, I know I cried about it and stressed about it. And even as I was doing it, I kept thinking, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I making a huge mistake, you know, moving back home. But now looking back, if I didn't live here, there's no way I would have been in a place to be able to help out my mom like I have been. Not only because it would have been impossible for me, but because she wouldn't have let me, you know, it just wouldn't have worked out like it did. So I feel like every step for the last three years that I looked, I kept looking back and thinking, maybe this choice is wrong. Maybe this choice was wrong. Really, they all got me to the place where I needed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see that a lot with Joe. And, and I think he'll talk about that a little bit. Some of those um, big leaps he's made. And then also some of the weird, surreal, supernatural things that have happened for him um, just kind of throughout his life. And uh, when we kick this off, I think you guys will see why I picked him as a guest because he just has a really, really interesting life story. Today's episode is sponsored by Valley Real Estate in Oxford, Nebraska. Uh, if you need a house in Oxford, Nebraska, they're the spot to go because you know, they're the spot to go, right? (laughs) They're the only one. (laughs) Uh, if you're new to the area or just looking for a little change, Call Valley Real Estate in Oxford, Nebraska. And I have shared an office space with all of these people, and they are easy to work with, I promise. Yeah. 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 Laid back. They've got a small town environment. They have, how many toy tractors would you say are in Mm. the Valley Real Estate office? So even if you don't need a house, but you just want to see a cool toy tractor collection. Yeah, I mean... I would say 500-ish. What do you think? Is that too high? No. I think that's I think that's fair, if not slightly low. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it is a ton of tractor. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a museum. Valley Real Estate slash Tractor Museum. Tractor Museum. Slash. No. <laughs> <laughs> slash accounting. Uh, okay. So we are here with our guest for this week, Joe Marvin. And I don't really know how 
to set you up, Joe. I don't know how to say who you are, what you're going to talk about. That's fair. Totally fair. So I think let's... I mean, do you just want to start at the beginning? Yeah, we could start at the beginning. <laughs> you kind of tell start. You kind of tell stuff like a Tarantino movie. Like you're, you know, your story kind of jumps around a lot. So it does. I, I guess, where do you normally start? I always start my story off when I was five, just because, like, I don't know why. When I get asked to go like talk places, I never. I've always thought, you know, I should tell it different this time, <laughs> and like tell it from a different like perspective. But I never do. So I always just started off when I was five, and I walk people through what I went through. So it was a big day when you were five. Yeah, it was just a normal day, I guess. I mean, it was more of like I was getting picked on for being adopted, and I didn't really know why. It's like eh, I don't even know what this word means. See that it's interesting because I used to, you know, my brother used to tell me that I was adopted, and I was like. Oh, but you really were. Yeah, it was really. Yeah. So that's a real thing. You get yeah. bullied for that. Yeah. Did you believe him? Yeah, I didn't really know. It was just more of like a, I don't know what that means more than anything. It was just like, it was a foreign word. And he like, I think he was a year older than me. So he tried explaining it to me, but it didn't make sense. Hmm. So like, that was why I just like ended up going home and like asking my parents, like, what does this word mean? So what happened from there? What did your parents say? Um, they pretty much, like, confirmed it, and were like, yes, you are adopted, but they didn't tell me, like, any details about it, but they said you and your brother are both adopted, so I have an older brother who's seven years older. Then, it was just kind of, like, just lived life, I guess, you know, for, like, the next, um, ten years. I was still always, like, curious about being adopted, but I didn't really know much about it. So, um, I think I was about, it was roughly when I was 15, and... It was just my mom and I at the house, and, like, my mom and I have always been, like, super, super close, and um, I just felt comfortable asking her about it, I guess, because, like, it's kind of a touchy subject, you know? I could see it would be hard, because it would be kind of like saying you're not enough, Yeah. right? To want to know more, you'd feel like it's a little bit of a betrayal, but it's also the only person you can go to. Yeah, exactly. So it was just always, like, how do I cross this line and, like... Not that I cared. I mean, like, my parents have always been my parents. Right. And, like, I've always felt, like, incredibly blessed. But it's just, like, a small detail. It's like, where did I come from? Mm. You know? And so I was like, eh, we're about to cross this line today. (laughs) And I waited, and it was just, like, my mom and I that night. And I remember asking her, and I completely caught her off guard. And then uh, (laughs) just kind of asked her, and... She didn't really know how to, like, explain it then. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And she, uh, I ended up going downstairs and was playing video games with my friend. And then she yelled at me to come back upstairs. And, like, that's when she showed me, like, a newspaper article. And she's like, there was over, like, a dozen of these. And you were also in the news. But, like, I only was able to find this one. I must have lost the photo album that had all the articles. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Yeah. (laughs) But, so, yeah, she just had the one. And it was, like, from uh, March of 1997, from, like, the Carney Hub. It was just, like, a small snippet on the front page. And so what does the article say? Um, It says, Baby Doe, One Step Closer to Adoption. So it's just kind of foreshadowing that in in April of 97, I was going to be adopted. So... What is notable about your adoption? Why was it in the papers? Um, just all of the article really said was that I was dropped off outside of Steps in Riverdale, Nebraska, on, on the church steps there. And then three boys found me. 
and then um, they were never able to find my parents. But what time of year was this? It was September when I was abandoned, so very beginning, so still kind of warm. Okay. But I about died from, like, hypothermia just because that day it was, like, low, mid-60s, which is normally warm, but for a baby it's pretty cold. Was it over during the daytime? No. Overnight? Yeah. It was early morning, so Mm um, I think it was, like, right before 8 because the boys were walking to school. Wow. Yeah. So they probably don't have any idea how long you were there. Mm-mm. They guessed a few hours just because of my blood temperature and everything. And then just kind of the circumstances of the matter. But Wow. Okay. So you're starting to get a picture of the story. Yeah. Uh, then what? what? You immediately had all these same questions that I'm sure yeah, we have, right? Yeah, same thing. <laughs> it was just like... My head was just, like, racing, and I was like, I don't really know how to go about this. So, well, how does a 15-year-old right? wrap their head around that? Yeah, let alone, like, I'm like, okay, now I understand at five why my parents didn't tell me anything. Right. So did you feel a lot of hurt right away? Like, did it no, sink in? No, it, it didn't really, like, it's never, like, upset me all that much. And, like, it was more of just, like, that's insanity, you know? Like, it's just, it's really weird. I was like, I wonder why, like, what happened? Like, what were the, you know, were they, like in their teens were they like you know young parents or could they not afford it like what was you know what happened right and like that was more of like my thought process behind it and then I went downstairs and I remember like getting on the computer and trying to find more articles because I was like well there should be something archived and like I looked everywhere and I couldn't find anything but like it was that night specifically I was talking to like my friend Devin and like that night specifically, I told him, and um, I just remember because like we were playing Xbox, and then he was just like, "You should be a priest," because he's Catholic, and I was like, "Why would I do that?" You know, and it's funny now to like look back now that I'm like going into ministry. Okay, so walk us through it. Walk us through the next whatever happens next. Um, so pretty much from there, um, fast forward, I'm 16 now, and like. This is probably the only time I've ever actually been mad about, like, my circumstances, like, of being, like, dropped off and everything as a baby. And it was just because um, I woke up, it was a normal day, and the next thing I know, I'm going to the bathroom, like, 15 times. Like, awful, like, diarrhea to the point where I'm like, this is weird. Like, my body has never done this. And it persisted for, like, 10 days almost. And I didn't tell my parents, and I was losing weight rapidly. And then it was turning from, like just diarrhea to like bloody diarrhea and i'm like i don't want to tell anybody but it was getting to the point where i'm like dude you don't feel good something's really going on well an uncomfortable 16 year old i mean how would you yeah Yeah. it's like i don't know how to explain this you know we finally went to the doctor it would have been like early august they went in and they did a colonoscopy and they're like yeah dude you got ulcerative colitis like i had ulcers starting pretty much from my rectum all the way up to like topper like upper stomach got to the point where I'm sitting in Omaha and they thought I was going to die. So I'm like on my deathbed quite literally. And it's literally like 20 days before my 17th birthday. Mm. And I spend like two weeks there. And like the doctor told my parents, like not while I was there at like this occasion, but when we came back for a checkup, he's like, I didn't even think your son was going to make it. Mm. And like, that just like, you know, broke my parents' hearts. Like, it's like, we were this close to losing our kid. Um, one of the other big things was we were waiting on insurance to approve. Uh, yeah. Oh, so that terrible. was, they, 
that was like the big thing. It's like, well, maybe if insurance like will pay for it, like you might live. The doctor did everything he could until it was approved. So I was pretty much just living off a of steroids. So was it a surgery or what did they have to do? No. So, um, I mean, I wish they would have just done the surgery to oh, be honest wow. with you. Really? Yes. Hmm. Like, so I was on Remicade and we were waiting for Remicade to get, um, approved and they got me, I think one or two treatments while I was there. And then I went home and so pretty much the whole two weeks that I was up in Boys Town, so I think it was like August 26th or whatever to like September 6th, um, 2013. So I like literally I turned 17. This is like the beginning of your junior year. Yeah. So okay. I missed the first two weeks of school. The state wants to hold me back because you missed Ugh. already oh. way too many, you know, days of school. Which is oh. ridiculous because yeah. you can catch up on and that. Like, and I did. Yeah. So I got back and I could only do half days because the two weeks I was there is literally better than I couldn't oh, even. Oh, yeah. I lost 30 pounds in 20 some days so I walk out of the hospital 130 pounds I go to school and I'm like furious because everyone's staring at me because I look like a ghost like pale skin look like a skeleton walking like just look like death and I feel like it too and um I get back and I'm frustrated with that I get caught up on all my homework and I think I was back in school for two weeks was getting ready. I did my very, I think it was like my second full day of classes. And um, my left leg swelled up the size of a balloon. Oh, wow. I can't put any weight on it. And I was like, I was playing with my dog. So I was like, maybe I pulled something. We go to the ER that night to get it looked at just to make sure it wasn't anything bad. And she was like, you're 17. You're probably fine. It's probably You probably just pulled something. Ice it. You'll be fine. Sent me on my way with some like pain pills and like I took those. I wake up. It's like three in the morning. I'm crying. Like mm. probably like top 10 worst pains I've ever been in my life. And my leg is just throbbing and it's like on fire. Is it your whole leg? Whole leg. Ugh. So we go into the doctor the next morning. Like I have it, this thing wrapped up and we go in and they were like, yeah, you, you'll probably have to start physical therapy today. Cause you know, you pulled your like something in your leg, obviously if it's this inflamed, and then she's like, but your leg is kind of looking really weird. We'll send you over just to make sure, do an ultrasound on it. They do an ultrasound, and like I knew it was bad because like the technician was just like making some faces, you know? Yeah, and, you can always be yeah, yeah, I know. Like, yeah. Body language. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, mm-hmm. This is not normal. Yeah, yeah I've had an ultrasound where they found a tumor on my thyroid, and the pause and the like yeah. breath going out of the room yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> And then she's like, I'll be right back. I got to make a phone call. And she comes back in and like hands the phone to my mom. And the doctor says that, oh, your son has a blood clot and it starts in his hip and it, it finishes in his foot. So the whole, whole left leg is a blood clot at this point. <gasps> and I'm oh like, this is where like my frustration with like, you know, going to the hospital and doctors like comes in at this point. It's like, now I'm furious. Well, like, blood clots, you can't like... You're just dead. I mean, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I could have literally taken a step that night and died. Like, it could have broke off, went to my heart, my head, could have had a stroke, a heart attack, you know, like, I'm 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> and, like, that's what was frustrating. So. Is this related to the ulcerative colitis? It was because I was bedridden oh. for two oh. weeks. And something that, um, so the fun thing with ulcerative colitis is you're prone to blood clots. But we didn't know that I was born with a rare genetic disease or like a, a factor five. So it's a blood clotting disorder. So I already have that. And then on top of that, I don't know how like anatomy works, but like your vein sits on top of your artery or vice versa. 
well mine was twisted when i was born uh-huh. and it's like a one in every like hundred thousand people get it like you know the lucky people and i was one of them mm. so it was a ticking time bomb essentially i get laid up for that two weeks in boys town and it fast, makes it happen boom just like that because no activity you know and like the whole leg so um I was gonna, I like argued, I was like, no, I can walk to the bed, you know, it'll be fine. And they're like, no. <laughs> no, really? Like, yeah. yeah. So like, they wheeled me back and then I sat in a hospital bed for another four to five days while they started shooting me up with like different blood thinning agents and all that. Huh. So like, that's when that started. So then I was on warfarin for a hot minute. And like, then too, you gotta think about, I'm getting infusions every like two to three weeks for my ulcerative colitis. And I'm also popping 26 pills a day just to like at 17 at 17 so I'm taking that so like it got to the point where I'm like my teeth started to rot Ugh. um like you know like everything like my body starts falling apart my joints and like it was just awful and like it wasn't a good stage of life you know like to the point where I like hated God I'm like God it's punished me at this point and um quit going to church didn't want to be there and that's where a lot of my frustration came out at um you grew up in the church yeah i grew up in a church so pretty much like was baptized at the first united methodist church here in holdridge and then i went there all the way up until i was 16 when i got sick and then pretty much quit going and then uh i think it was towards the later end of my junior year i went to youth group like one night we talked about they were asking me and they're like joe you haven't been here in such a long time like you know what's happening and kind of told him, I was like, oh, I'm just kind of frustrated, like, really feel like God's punishing me right now with, like, everything, and, um, they were like, I talked to him, and they they told me, you know, you should talk to youth groups more, you're really good at it, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it was kind of like that second thing that I can look back on and be like, that's kind of, you know, kind of interesting to look back at now, <laughs> I get back, I pretty much finish out my senior year, we get, I think it was probably October of my senior year, and I'm like, Remicade isn't working like I'm sorry, but it's not working and they had me trying like steroid enemas And like that was the only thing that got me through like my senior year Oh, wow, and like I go back and like I most of the time I honestly forget that was even a period of my life But like yeah, I was doing those so every single night block it out. Of yeah, <laughs> completely block it out for yeah Like I'm, you were doing them at home for I, your own self. I was doing them like, myself. You were doing them yourself. Yeah, from it. yeah like hmm. totally forgot about it um and like most of my friends don't even know like any of this like i pretty much cut my friends out from this point because i'm like yeah i'm taking time bomb i'm gonna die eventually you know like well you talk about it so comfortably now but at the time i mean how could you like that like i've always been like this yeah or like it was just easier for people not to know and like not worry about me like Mm. was kind of like my thought process Mm. so it wasn't really all that hard to cut all my friends out at that Mm. point just distanced myself a lot and then um, I graduate, I think it was like late June, I was like, it's not working, and the next step was surgery, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that, and like, every GI doc will look at you as like, that's a fail, you know? Oh, like, interesting. We, yeah, we what, a, what is the surgery that they would do? So they were going to remove all my colon, large intestine, and rectum, and then insert a new rectum made out of your small intestine at that point. Fast forward, you know, it's like, it's July 1st, 2015, and... We went in to like schedule an appointment, but before they scheduled the appointment, they wanted to do like a not a CAT scan, but a MRI MRI on my intestines to see if I had any perforations, any holes anywhere. And they made me drink that fluid, and like that set me off. 
next thing I know, like, that just set off, like, the worst flare-up I've ever had in my life. Mm. So this medical procedure this medical that procedure. you're doing to make yourself feel better. Ugh. Or to make Sets sure, you back. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this is to set me up for surgery, see if you have anything wrong with you. And yes, obviously <laughs> I did, but this made everything worse. Oh. So what was just going to the bathroom 10 to 15 times jumped up to 25 times. Not even kidding. Like... And I think more than anyone, my mom was happy, like, after the surgery, because, like, she didn't have to buy so much toilet paper. (laughs) But, like, you know, I remember I'd only want to go to specific stores, like, if we ever came over to Kearney. That way, because, like, I knew knew the fastest way. I knew the fastest way to get to the bathroom. Right. Like, that's how I, like, lived my life for two years, was, like, mapping out every store in my head to the point where I'm like, okay, I can cut down this aisle. This will be faster. I can cut through this section, you know, just get to the bathroom. Like going to like the Gretna Mall. Like I remember that we went to the- Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. We went one time, one time. And like, I was like, mom, I can't do this. Like, you know, like we can't ever do this again. I was way too pregnant at the Gretna Mall. Like, like eight plus <laughs> and like just getting to that bathroom yeah multiple times well, yeah. Go multiple you make times. it to the hallway you have to, like halfway down this steel like hallway like yeah. of doom the nebraska like. crossing outlets <laughs> are the seventh yep. circle of hell for bathrooms they truly <laughs> truly are yeah, yeah that's the best example i've ever yeah. heard yeah and like that was you know so stuff like that and like um it gets to the point it's like early it's maybe like july 10th 15th so you know it's like pretty much this time of year it's hot i don't feel good I'm going to the bathroom all the time I got to the point where i couldn't work anymore I got to the point where i got so dehydrated that we had to go to the hospital again so we got to methodist hospital and like i said my surgery wasn't scheduled until july 30th and the surgeon's like you're not gonna make it mm. like i gotta do it earlier than that and uh they go to the surgery july 23rd 2015 Either as I was going down for the surgery or while I was on the operating table, I don't know, but my colon actually ruptured. Oh, wow. So now they're sucking out. While like, you're in surgery. Yeah. And because of surgery or it just happened to be? I don't be... know. I just, you know, by the grace of God, it was on the table, you know, mm. that when it happened. Otherwise, you know, so now they're sucking out like all this waste material that's in my blood and like, <sighs> one, you know, like end up getting a bacteria infection. I was going like, to say, can yeah. you even stay ahead of the infection at that point? Or? No, not really. I wake up and I'm like high as a kite from morphine but i mean like (laughs) it was the first time like i actually felt good Mm. even though like i knew i was gonna have a colostomy bag when i woke up from surgery and i'm like gonna be going to college in a month you know (laughs) with a colostomy with a colostomy bag you know like this that feels good yeah so i'm like okay i got 30 days to like train for this crap like quite literally and you know where did you go to school at I went to UNK. Oh, okay. Carney. So at least you're not yeah, that so far from Yeah, Paris. and that was like the whole thing was I purposely picked a college that was going to be right there. And fast forward to like December, and then I have my second surgery where they're going to take out my rectum and then insert like a, a new one made out of my small intestine called the J-Pouch. And I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Like I was, after like my first surgery, I was in and out of the hospital. Like I think the whole time I was only there for like 11 days, which is, you know, a pretty massive surgery to have. But like like whatever so they do this surgery and my roommate got me sick the day before and he had he had a slight cold and i was like okay everything should be fine but he's not good at like wiping stuff down that he coughs on and like because he's an 18 year old (laughs) yeah yeah and like we lived in like um a fraternity house too oh yeah so like everyone cesspool yeah pretty much you know Mm -hmm. like everyone one person got sick everyone got sick in a wall like that's just how it works in dorms in general that's what happened so we they go in they do the surgery and I wake up and I have a cough 
but I refused to cough because they literally just hurt. They cut into my abdominal wall a second time. They didn't tell me they were going to do that, but they like, so like they made like pretty much like a triangle pattern, like around my belly button to like pull out the test, like the intestine the first time. And then they went on over it a second time to pull out more small intestine for this, you know, like just J pouch surgery that they're going to do. And I didn't know that. So when I coughed one time, like, Oh my God. Right. You know, like worst pain I've ever been in in my life. And just like out of all three surgeries, like this one was by far the worst one. And um, beyond pissed. Like, you know, like I don't feel good. I don't want to cough. I'd like, and when I would cough, I was coughing up mucus that, you know, it was like half dollar size. It was huge. Ugh. I didn't feel good. And I get out of the hospital and I spent like every day, you know, just sleeping and laying up so I could go back to school. You know, like I only, you know, I had like a month. So we purposely planned it over Christmas break and then didn't even really have a break. You know, it was just every day I was like laying down, hating my life. And then <laughs> I go back to college. Everything's pretty much fine. And then we scheduled my third surgery for spring break. What a fun spring break. Yeah, right? <laughs> so that Monday they go in and then they do the reconstructive surgery so I wouldn't have to have a colostomy bag anymore. Okay, okay. so your spring you break. You now have yeah. a new rectum. Yeah. Made out of your intestine. Yeah. Have you, ever, have you ever said rectum before? I don't. I, I have said it before. I've never he said it He says it so casually, and I'm over here like, oh, he's going to say it again. It was like, harder oh. for me to say than I thought. I know. Yeah, yeah, everyone, like, it's just a new butthole. Like, that's yeah. literally, like, how I've always yeah. said it. I've always been casual about it, but... See, I think I, I would also struggle saying butthole. Yeah, you know? most people would, and, like, I don't know, it's just... But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, you just get used to that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. poop was, like, my life for literally, like, two years. And then when I started working at an animal shelter, like, I was involved with poop all the time. <laughs> so, like, you know, like, yeah. I was just used to it. And then I came back, and everything was pretty much fine. Like, first time, you know, like, I mean, I still have the blood clot in my leg, but now I'm only taking Xarelta at this point. Oh, so that's an improvement. Yeah, so I'm only, yeah, so from 26 pills and... To one. To one. No infusions anymore. And, like, that's why I was, like, why didn't no I just... No more colostomy bag. Yep, no more colostomy bag. Like, I mean, like, I actually enjoyed it. Like, it was a good time. I made a lot of pranks with it. But, <laughs> like, it was really good. You're, like, a typical 18-year-old guy I in was, that I was. Wait, hold on. What colostomy bag pranks are you doing? <laughs> okay, so, like, obviously you can't fart if there's, like, no, like, connection. So I'm literally bagging my farts. So... I would walk into a guy's room. I'd crank his feet to 90. I would air my bag out. And you'd out. let it out. I'd let it out. I'd walk, I'd walk out. So, like, that was the fun part. So then you'd, like, you'd sit down in the lounge. You'd wait five, ten minutes. And then you'd watch him gag his way out of his room. Like, you know, like, he'd walk in to a heat bomb and walk out. And, like, I was like, if I can do this in a contained environment, what can I do in Walmart? Oh, no. So, like, no. like I was the worst person ever. I really was. But I like it. I like it was, that you found this, this I had bit of so fun in that. I had so much fun. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was a blast. You gotta take what you can get, right? Yeah. I mean, like, did you stick out a Walmart? Lining? Oh, I, did you clear the Walmart? I No. There's <sighs> sections. I'd do it. In, like, sections. Yeah. And no one would ever mess with me, because, like, as much as, like, everyone wanted just to kill me in, like, you know, in my, <laughs> in my fraternity, they would never do it, because they're like, I mean, if we hit him, he's gonna bruise because of his blood thinners, and then, right. on top of that, he's got a colostomy bag, like, right. this kid's a douche, you, pretty, you know, like, they hated me, but, um, <laughs> but, no, like, it's pretty much after, after that, like, nothing really happened to me, like, I was health-wise, finally, the first time in my life, and then, 
it's August of 2017 at this point, and I wake up to a phone call from my dad, and he's crying, and he's like, your mom has cancer. And it was just like, I was literally like, that's what woke me up was this phone call, so I'm groggy, but like, you know, I'll never forget like how clear that word cancer is in the mm-hmm. phone. And like, instantly like tearing up, because like, my mom's never, ever, ever been sick in her life. And like, even my brother said that one time, he was like, she never even got a cold when we were growing up, so like, how the heck does she have cancer? And she had like, stage two breast cancer. And so immediately, you know, like, what can we do to like stop this right now? And so they're doing all these things and like, I'm just like in a dark place in life at this point, you know, I'm like depressed, you know, cause like, am I gonna lose my mom? And like, I'd been dating a girl like the whole time I was going through all my ulcerative colitis things. So we'd been together for four and a half years and we break up and- Oh wow. So like, first it's my mom and then I lose her and like, I'm devastated. My junior year of college is just like depressed, you know, and every day just like you know it just really sucked and um my mom was really 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 sick and it seemed like every time i was getting a phone call from my dad i never wanted to answer it because i didn't want to hear yeah i didn't want to hear that phone call and i would come home every weekend you know i was working three jobs and like whenever i had time i'd come just to make sure like you know see how she was doing Mm -hmm. and like every time i came back she looked worse and like was literally I was just watching my mom like deteriorate in front of me and it was like the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life and you know like when you're just been there I know exactly yeah yeah and you're just and you're watching it and you're just like I wish you feel powerless you feel powerless and like that was like when I made that like first connection I'm like now I know how my mom felt watching me sick you Mm -hmm. know and like you know like roles literally got reversed like now she's in the hospital all the time and like i'm sitting in her hospital bed you know like with her uh i'm walking into my senior year now and was living with like my pretty much like my one of my best friends and then we had another friend and those two could just like never get along and like (laughs) he like it just ended badly and he moved out and like on a moment's notice like out so he decides to move out and I'm thinking how the heck am I gonna pay for rent now and then on the same day I get a phone call from the university accusing me of drinking in class and I wasn't <gasps> so they're like yeah, you don't drink oh yeah I don't really I mean like I do but not very often uh, you don't have a colon yeah, so, like, you know, right <laughs> so I gotta be smart yeah and like so like I was like why would I drink in class like you know like I'm, like, tip certified and, like, made a name for myself on campus. I'm, like, why would I drink in class? Do you think I'm that stupid? Right. And, like, they're to the point where, like, yeah, I was going to possibly be getting kicked out of school. And then my girlfriend dumped me all on the same day. So I'm having the worst day of my life. (laughs) Like, another, like, terrible day. And that was the turning point for my life at this point. (laughs) And I remember calling my mom and I'm crying that night. Like, my mom's, like, the only person that will ever call me down through any storm. (laughs) And I was like, you know, like to that point where you're like, I can't do it anymore. And like, she's like, what can't you do anymore? <laughs> and it made me laugh. But like, um, the next day I went in, I got like a Bible from Walmart, which of all things, right? Yeah. You're like, why? And I was like, I don't know either. But I just started working at Kids and Calico Coffee. And so I started working there and now I'm like 
it was literally my first day too so it was my first day there oh god all three of those things no transitions are no trans yeah yeah it is a brick your life is just boring yeah (laughs) and you know and like and so i'm reading my bible and i haven't been to church in pretty much like four years at this point i'm still pretty frustrated with god and um my misfortune of life and uh one of my coworkers was like joe you should come to church with me this sunday i'm like why like, when I started getting tattoos, um, I grew up, like, you know, in a small church where everyone's like, tattoos are bad, you know, like, everyone just starts looking at me different at this point, so I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like a bad person, you know, just because I got tattoos, like, this is a weird society sometimes, you know, with, like, the older generation, so, like, they ruined my perspective of church, mm-hmm. and she's like, no, this church isn't like that, like, grace is nothing like that. So she asked me like go with her and I did. And it was like the first time I felt like a pastor like sat down with me and asked me like what are your problems? I'm going to write a sermon about it. Like it was one of those. Like mm. it felt like that. Oh, like it felt like he was speaking right at you. I've had that very very same sensation. There's some of them that feel yeah. like did he hear me? Like yeah. I literally have thought a pastor overheard me talking at one point and yeah. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh my god, that is like I remember just listening to it and like I remember after we left she was like that was for you like you needed that today didn't you and like she didn't see me crying like that whole message like I was bawling my eyes out I've also I've also cried in church multiple times <laughs> yeah and like yeah it was like the first time I've ever had a sermon do that to me yeah and few it's probably a few days later um it was it was Kayla her name's Kayla and then Tyler and I working so it's the three of us we were talking about the show on Netflix called Riverdale, and I made a joke about it, about me being dropped off as a baby on the church steps there, and he knew all about that story, and which is weird, because he's only a few years older than me, and... Like, he wouldn't have been aware of the news at that time. Yeah, you know? Right. So, it was really weird to hear that, and Tyler was just like, yeah, like, you were the baby, were you wrapped in this blanket, and like, yada yada, and he's asking me some details that I, you know, like... I told you my mom only had that one snippet. Right. And it wasn't a very detailed article. So I'm like, this is weird. And these were details. Did you know these details? No. He knew more about you yeah, than exactly. you did. Yeah, exactly. He knew more about me than but I did. But he didn't know that you were that baby until that, that baby. time. No. Okay. So he said that he was working for the Carney Hub three years ago. And then he was also at uh, UNK, his professor at UNK in the English department and his boss at the Carney Hub were the very first two reporters that ever did a story about me in the Carney Hub. And they had um, had to like, I ended up finding out later that they were both really new to the Carney Hub, so that's why they got sent together to do this story. Mm. Sorry. It's okay. <coughs> I'm coughing tonight too, I don't know why. Yeah. We're allergic to your basement, Darcy. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to say there's not mold down here, guys. <laughs> I won't make that disclaimer. <laughs> no, Tyler's asking me all these things, and he didn't believe that I was baby doe, that what we were talking about in this. And it didn't matter. He's a really skeptical person, so I was like, every time I was like, yes, I, I'm like, I'm not messing with you, bro. And like, he's like, no, you mess around all the time. You're a jokester, a prankster. And like, I really am, but... He, like, that's why he couldn't believe I would me. say, like, the, the classmate bag things. Yes, I would yeah. believe yeah. you are. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, like, he couldn't believe me. He's like, if you're serious, call the Carney Hub and email this professor. He brought up the phone numbers and emails. I did it right in front of him. And he was like, 
Still didn't believe me. He was like, he's taking this joke way too far. And like, he told me later on, he was kind of getting pissed. Yeah. And um, I'm about to fall asleep that night. And this is like a Friday. I wake up to a Facebook message pretty much like wakes me up from him at like one in the morning. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry, but I Facebook stalked you. And your birthday matches these newspaper articles. He said that there was a file at the Carney Hub that he told me to call for. So he said it has over a dozen articles in the Carney Hub about you, if you are this baby doe. Well, he'd actually taken that file and borrowed it, and he'd had it for three years. And He was just hanging on to it? He'd had it for three years for no reason. He'd quit his job at the Hub, and he's like, oh, this will be awkward if I bring it back, you know? So he just kept it. And he said, so he had all the files that should have been on the internet by now, yeah, probably. pretty much. Yeah. But he'd had them for three years, and he was just like... I don't know. I just kind of randomly found him sitting on my desk a couple weeks ago, which is like, you know, like, this is where, like, this is where this story gets weird. So he's like, yeah, I just kind of randomly found these. And anyway, so he takes a picture of the very first article ever written about me and he sends it to me on Facebook and I look at it and I'm just like, man, that is, you know, like bizarre, like to the point where I'm almost emotional, like I've never seen this. And like, I've never actually been to Riverdale at this point. Mm. Like, I always wanted to go. I just never worked up the courage to drive and look. And you were kind of busy. Yeah. You had other other stuff going on. By the time you could drive, you had other stuff. Yeah. 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 And he was like, dude, I'm like, I'm sorry I didn't believe you. He's like, this is insanity. And like, we talked about it for a solid hour. He's like, I'm going to bring him in tonight. You can look at him. And he brings him in that night to work. And I look at him and like, I'm almost in tears because like, you know, I'm reading all these articles, just flipping through them. Like, this is, you know, like the first hours of my life, the first two weeks of my life, first three, four, you know, like getting into months of my life that are all covered in these articles. And like my parents were able to keep my identity quiet for all this, all this time. Right. Cause no one wants to grow up. Yeah. Like Being yeah. they baby don't want to raise yeah. you where yeah. people are constantly watching yeah. you knowing that you're the baby that was that, left on the exactly. door or the church. You know, yeah. So the fact that they were able to keep my identity quiet, you know, and like because of this now, like my parents are telling me stories about like, cause I'm telling them, I'm like, Hey, this is happening. I've got these articles in my possession, like, they're telling me details now, they're like, yeah, we had to sneak you out of the back of the hospital when we got you, and like, they're telling me all these things now, and I'm like, like, my mind is just like, being flooded with way too much information throughout October and November of 2018, and, um... Was there one detail from the articles that stuck out to you at all? Not really, more than anything, it was just the picture of the three boys, Oh, interesting. Because, you know, it was the three boys that found me, and they all got Citizens Awards for finding me and, like, you know, handling the situation. And, like, um, I was like, I wonder if I can find them, you know? And I'd love to just reach out to them and thank them for what they did. If well, and I'm sure they have, like, question marks yeah, in their head yeah, what exactly. happened to the baby on the Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so um, there was... They have like stupid generic names like John Smith. <laughs> so I'm like, this is going to be. Well, like your baby doe, that's hard to yeah, find. You yeah. Know, I was like, this is going to be damn near impossible. But one of, like, out of the three, only one had like a non generic name. I found, I actually found one of the guys right away. But like, this Charlie, he didn't look like this kid. Cause like, you got to think, they're, tw- they're 12 at the time when they find me. So you change a lot. They're 33, 34 possibly right. now. You know, it's been it's been 22 years. I'm like, this this just doesn't look like this kid, you know. And I would hate to see someone try to match me up to my 12 year old picture. Yeah, you know, and like yeah. I'm Facebook creeping hard, and they're like, there's just one picture of this kid, like one of them's name was Brandon. I'm like, 
this looks like him. Like, I stalked all the way back to 2007, so he would have been 22 at the time. But just the way his face was angled in this picture to, like, this newspaper article that was black and white, I'm like, this has to be him, you know? And I took a picture of it, and I said, hey, I'm such and such, and I'd love to get to talk to you. And if you're not this person in this picture, I'm sorry, this is awkward, you know? And I left it at that. I sent I sent the message on this Saturday evening. The next day, I went back to, to Grace again to church. I get home from church that day, and I'm like, I'm going to Riverdale. Like, I'm just going to go. I know what the church looks like now. I don't even know if they have multiple churches there. I get my well, dog. I know Riverdale. I feel like yeah. you could find it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a small, it's a super <laughs> yeah. small town. And I knew that. So I just set destination, like Riverdale, and you know, started driving. And, like, I'm driving, and, like... So I, I studied criminal justice and sociology in college. And, like, this is actually where my head went when I was on this drive. I'm like, okay, I'm the birth parents. Why would I drop my baby off at Riverdale? And I get there, and it's literally the first right turn to get to the church. I'm like, this makes perfect sense. You know, if they right were... Right off the highway? Right off the highway. Uh-huh. If they're going west, I would have dropped it off there, too. You know? Hmm. Like, if, like, I was trying to put myself in their shoes. Like, that was literally what hmm. I was doing. And so anyway, that's where my head was going. And I show up. Thank God service had just gotten over. Because I'm like, regardless, you know it's going to be awkward. Like, for what I'm about to get into. And <laughs> yeah, there's a smooth way to yeah. be like, so, hi. hi. <laughs> I've been here before. Yeah. And that was literally what kind of happened. I walked up the steps. And I remember looking at the steps and almost studying them. I'm like, I've never seen these in my four. Are you emotional at this point? I'm not really emotional. I'm just like... This is literally where it all began, you know, like looking down at him. I'm like, this is cool. Mm. Like, you know, like these steps are like my history. Like, and this church doesn't look like it's changed a bit from this article. Oh, I'm sure they probably hadn't. Yeah. So I finally, I just, I didn't even really hesitate. I just walked right up. And then I'm wearing like a white t-shirt and jeans and I got tattoos. Like I stick out like a sore thumb. (laughs) They're all dressed up, you know, like suit and tie almost. Well, and it's just a small town. They just know everybody. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter everybody. if you look no. exactly like them. Yep. If you walk up, they're like, yep. why are you here? Who are you? Exactly. And like someone, I guarantee that's not at the church seven miles away already knows like there's some guy at the church because yeah. <laughs> like, somebody yeah. made a yep. phone call or sent a text yep. or yeah. Yep. And everyone's looking at me super inquisitively like, why are you here? And also there's that christian thing of like can we help like and then yeah like, and like who gets to be who gets right. to be the helper yeah. like, and that was the pastor's wife actually yeah she was like that she's like how can we help you today and i'm like is there a pastor here and like i got a backpack on too so this makes it worse and um she's like oh my god you need a pastor and she takes off running i'm like oh they probably think I'm suicidal, you know? Like, or like a drifter. They think yeah. you're a drifter who needs and, shelter. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, I messed up. And now he's sprinting up the same stairs. I literally just walked up. I actually passed him coming in, not knowing. They think there's a soul to save yeah. on the steps. Yeah. And they walk in. He's like, how can I help you? My name's Pastor Scott Guthrie. And it's like, Phew. well, there's no easy way to go about this, but Hi. Um, there was a baby dropped off here roughly 22 years ago. Do you know anything about that? And he just starts laughing. He's like, is that you? And I was like... Well, I was going to say you're about 22 years old. Yeah, right? And he's like, I was like, yes, I am. And everyone's like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is crazy. You know, everyone's like mind blown. And I'm like, this is weird. And there's still people around you at this point. There's still like a congregation around you. Yeah, 20-ish people watching the scene. And like, (laughs) like, 
you know, like there's the Which old is probably people. how many people were at the service. Yeah. 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 And there's like the old people that are like, what did he say? And then, oh my God, this is the baby. It's the baby. Yeah. It's the baby. Yeah. So they're repeating it. And like, I still have this file of all these articles and I pull them out and I show them. Oh. And anyway, they invite me to lunch and they take me out to lunch and everyone's asking me like questions. I'm answering the same questions like 80 times, you know, like, but was, it's whatever. And um, the pastor invites me, Scott invited me to his house and he's like, I want to show you something if you have time today or if you want to come back another time. I was like, no, no, no. I'm already in it for the long haul at this point. Like, <laughs> the last four days of my life have been absolutely like, what the hell? And, you know, so he invites me to his house and he's like, hey, this is kind of weird, but take a seat. And I sit down like in his little study and he pulls out this article and he's like, this is an article I wrote about you 22 years ago. And he sets it in front of me and he's like, this is what's really weird is about three weeks ago, which is the same week that Tyler found that file right. sitting on like his desk at home. He's like, I found this randomly as we were cleaning up my mom's house, we were moving her. Anyway, I was like, man, this this would go great with a sermon I'm about to do in two weeks. I did that sermon last week and here you are, week three, walking into church. Hmm. And I'm like, that's, you know, like, <laughs> what? And then he's like, yeah, and like also, and he pulls out this book, and he's like, this is a 125th anniversary book that our church did. And he's like, I've been the pastor here for 30 years. And he's like, so it's cool to be like in this book and everything and look back at the years. Well, he opens it up to the center, you know, centerfold, and it's literally just about that, just about the baby being dropped off and like how weird it was. Well, the thing that got me more than anything, like literally shook, almost started crying on the spot. On the right page, there's two articles that were like glued together forever on this page. The top one's the article my mom showed me when I was 15, and the one below it is the picture Tyler sent to me on Facebook of that very first article. Of all the 12 articles that and out of all could the, like, have been, yeah. Could have been that these two are like glued together forever. I'm like, this is God at this point, right? Yeah. And like, first time in my life where I'm like, okay, God's real. And mm. I was like, just this come to Jesus moment. Anyway, I leave. Two days later, it's Tuesday. It's 10.30 at night. I get a Facebook message from that guy that I messaged on Saturday. And he's like, what's your phone number? That's all he said to my message. I run to my roommate's room. I'm like, dude, I think I found that guy. And like, he's like, the guy? Like, you think the, like, one of the boys that found you? And I was like, yeah, I think I found him. And he asked if he can give me a phone call. And like, right now. So I give him my phone number, and he calls me, and he's yelling at me. Like, he's actually mad at me. And I'm like, why are you so mad? And he's like, I'm not telling you anything until you tell me how you found a picture of me. So I know it's him at this point. But I, everything, you know, like, I pretty much, not everything I've told you, but, like, for the most part, like, what had transpired from the age of five to being, like, finding this article. He's like, okay, I'm sorry I'm so mad, but I'm trained in counterintelligence. I find out he's in the military later on. But he's like... Um, the reason I'm so mad is because I had a dream. I talked to you on the phone five days ago, <laughs> which would have been the night that I got the the file of the articles. <sighs> and it would have been that Friday. And I'm like, you know, and like just in tears at that point, and like, you know, like God's at work. And uh, the day before, I got a phone call from the Carney Hub to see if we could do, they could do an interview because they're like, I've never had, you know, a story like this where I've done a story and the story comes back to me. Yeah. And then uh, I started realizing how small this world really is, even though it's really big. Um, the second one of the other guys that found me, so like I said, before I started working <coughs> at Kits and Calico, I was working at the mall. Well, the place I worked at the mall, 
his uncle, like, so one of the boys that found me, his uncle owned the store. I worked with his uncle every day. I worked with his mom every day. Oh, that's funny. So, you know, it was just like, why didn't I make the joke three months earlier, four months earlier? But, you know, and anyway, so we're sitting down with, like, the Carney Hub at this point. And I was like, I don't really know if I should do this or not. And, like, put yourself in my parents' shoes at that point. It's like... They went to all this work to keep your identity private, and now you're blowing it. Yeah, and on top of that, it was more of a... I felt like it was just like a dagger to both of them, which like I explained, I'm like, this isn't about that. It's just like, what if like I could find my medical history, you know, like if anything, look what I've been through. Like, well, it's your, it's your, it's your story. And it really is. And I'm like, well, I'm like the clotting thing. If that had a genetic tie, I mean, like, what if I could find what else is there? What else is there? You know? So like, I know right now, if I ever have kids, I am the beginning tree on my side. And then like my wife, you know, in the future, and, like, that sucks. Yeah. You know, it's like, I wish I could go back further and tell you, like, you're going to die from, like, 17 different things, but now <laughs> we just got to start with what I got, you know? <laughs> and maybe it's a good thing they don't know, but, you know, so it was kind of more of that thing than any anything, and so they interviewed me for the article, and they interviewed all three of the guys, tracked them down really easy, and uh, um, interviewed the sheriff, and I got to meet Sheriff Miller, he was the sheriff at the time, and he still is. And it was like, <laughs> it was weird. All these people are still around, and I was like, at this point, like, why wouldn't my birth parents be? Mm, you right. know, like I grew up literally twenty minutes away, thirty minutes away. You know, like everyone from like this story still lives. The furthest one was Grand, oh, I guess Iowa, like one of the boys. But like other than that, everyone's still here. So I'm like, there's a good chance they're gonna read this or see this, and. Next thing I know, um, the story just goes everywhere. Like, just, I think over 30-some thousand people read it off the Carney Hub website alone. And then, I read it. Yeah, yeah. And the Associated Press picked it up, and then it shot up to the World Herald, and then Lincoln Journal Star, and New York, Grand Island, and then it started going further, and then it started going to Colorado, and Iowa, and then South Dakota, and then Kansas, Eventually, like, I got on Facebook one day, and a guy from Waco, Texas has seen it, and the Waco, Texas Tribune. So it made it down to Waco, Texas, and I'm like, all places, you know? But, like, it was weird just to see it just shooting, you know? Like, um, every day wasn't slowing down, you know? Like, it just kept speeding up mm. to the point where, I, like, I couldn't sleep at night, because I'm like, what's going to happen tomorrow? You know? <laughs> like, that's literally, well, how, sure. that's literally how it was for 20-some days straight. Literally every day, I could tell you something, like, this happened like i met this guy i had this phone call i found these articles you know like that's literally how it was day by day how were your parents reacting to all of this Uh, angry at first really pissed Mm. but understandable and then i think probably though out of concern for you right concern for me and like not because they're hurt but because they yeah i think that was more of anything and then i could tell there was just like it was a touchy subject so i tried not to bring it up and it's kind of more after like the articles, you know, were, like, done. And I was like, you know, this is kind of over kind of thing, you know? And um, I think that came out, like, early, early November. And mid-November, I was just, like... I remember sitting down with, like, the pastor I'm interning under right now. And um, we were sitting there, and he was like, you know, man, like, have you ever accepted Jesus into your life before? And, like, he was sharing the gospel with me. It's not like I'd never heard it. Like, you know, like I said, I grew up in church. But, like, 
this was like a new a new thing for me like a new way to look at like christianity in general and faith and i was just like i don't really think i have and he was like dude you can do that right now right here if you want totally up to you and i said yes because i don't really know how to say no sometimes <laughs> but like we're in the middle of like kids in calico and there's all these people moving around and like i can't get in the zone like now i could pray like that at the time no like oh well, it's so self-conscious i yeah. mean i was like people are gonna see me praying yeah. and, like i was freaking out you know yeah and he was like dude congratulations you're not a christian i was like i don't feel different <laughs> you know and like you know he's like super hyped and like Anyway, I was like, oh, I don't really think this worked, you know? I remember saying, I don't think it worked. I really didn't. I really didn't. And that night, I remember sitting down with my friend Ben, and I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, like, some weird stuff happened at the coffee shop today. And he was like, what happened now? Like, like you know. He's like, been on a ride with that. Yeah, like, you're calling it weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, let's hear it, bro. And like, I tell him. And then he was like, Ben's, like, a super, super passionate man about, like, everything he does. He is 115,000%, like, you know, and, like, one of those is his faith. And, like, I've never seen anyone so passionate about, like, loving Jesus the way this guy does. And it's, like, literally one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And we're sitting there and we're talking about it. And he's, like, well, he was right, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And I was just, like, I know, but it was just, like, "I, I don't feel any different. And he was, like, what are you afraid of? He's, like, you know what? I'm going to challenge you right now. He's like, ask God, are you here right now? Just like, just like that. Oh, man. And like, we're in the middle of Doba. So, you know. Oh, that's a dangerous game. (laughs) So like, I'm like, what? He's like, do it. I sat there for 10 minutes. I couldn't say it. I don't know why I couldn't say, God, are you here? Like, you know, I say it so easy now, but I couldn't say it at the time. I'm sitting in the middle of Doba. I see people moving around me. I'm like, I couldn't say it. I could not bring myself to say it. I sat there for 10 minutes, quiet. Like, I had a hat on, like, fix my hat, would, like, play with my mustache or my beard at the time, I think. But, like, I couldn't say it. He's looking at me with, like, tears in his eyes. And I'm, like, sitting in my head, like, why can't you say it? Like, why can't you say it? Just say it. Like, trying to say I love you to someone for the first time. And you're, like, Yeah. And, like, I was literally the feeling. I was, like, why can't I say it? And, you know, I'm, like, to the point where I'm sweating now. Like, in the middle of this stupid doba, I can't eat. I can't say anything. (laughs) And he's, like, I'm not leaving until you say it. Like, and he's almost in tears, like, ready to cry. I'm like, if anyone can be this passionate about loving Jesus, like, I'm living my life wrong, you know? And, like, like, or just, like, so passionate about something. Right. And I was like, I don't really know how to explain, like, what happened to me when I finally did, like, God, are you here? And, like, the weight that, like, I just felt like I had, like, a thousand pounds just lifted off my shoulders to the point where I was just, like, I, like, literally just shot back in, like, my seat, like, what was that? And, like, honestly, I really feel like it was the Holy Spirit just, like, entering my life for the first time. And, like, which just, like, if you haven't had that experience, like, you're not going to know, but, like, that's the only way I can explain it. No, I've had a similar, and yeah. it, it does, it sounds crazy. And you, you, you don't know how to Looking at it from it. the outside, yeah. you're like, whatever, yeah. you know? But, like, when it happens to you, you're just like, what just happened? Like, you know, and you can't explain it. You really can't. And, like, it's hard to explain it, but that's the only way I can explain it. And he, like, he, like, realized what happened right away. And he was just like, dude, let's go for a walk. And, like picked up my tray threw my food away because i like he's like you know i need this you know like <laughs> we walked out and he like he prayed for me and like i was just like dude that was weird 
and like I think like what a miracle too that God placed this friend in your life. Yeah, and was like, he your roommate? No, he was. Just, oh, he's just he a buddy. Was, he was the guy that got me the job. At, oh, okay. At, at so God. yeah, so God knew what he was doing. He put this person in your yeah, life. You know that it's comfortable for you to go to at this time. Exactly. And a kid who was ready to minister to someone like that too, right. which is yeah. like yep. And he's only four years older than me. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, and like it was just like perfect timing. You know, it was God's timing, and um. The next day, I was, or, yeah, the next day, I went and talked to Aaron. So this would have been, like, a, I'm trying to think what happened. I talked to Pastor Aaron, and, like, I was like, dude, I feel like I need to go into ministry. And he's like, what? Like, you know, <laughs> he's like, I know, like, you know, and, like, I hadn't given myself to the Lord yet. Like, I hadn't, I hadn't prayed that prayer yet. And I hadn't told him that either yet. Like, I think even to this day, he probably still thinks, like, that conversation we had was the moment, but, like... At the coffee shop? Yeah, yeah but it was, like, four days later. When you were actually ready to went, do yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah. ready to do it by myself. And... I like that you said that by yourself. Right, that you yeah. don't... It doesn't have to be a big production. Yeah, that you just were yeah, able to do it at home yeah. by yourself. And, like... And maybe getting ahead of your story, but... <laughs> no, no, you're totally fine. But, like, that was the thing. was, like, I remember... I kept running into pastors, like, nonstop. And, like, Kids in Calico is a breeding ground for pastors. Yeah, I've noticed that. What's but that about? I don't know. But, like, the thing is... It's so weird. Fourth <laughs> Avenue is yeah, that way, too. Yeah. And There's, like, like a, a, mm-hmm. a strange Christian vein through those coffee houses. Yeah. It's yeah. it's aggressive. I don't know what that it is. It really is. Yeah, like, it's very strange. The thing, I've, I've only been there a few times. So I'll have to pay more attention. You will. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. But because I'm there working, I'm writing commercials in these yeah. places. I'm like, what? The, why is yeah. there a Bible study? Like, every, yeah. I mean, I'm used to screenwriters in coffee shops and not yeah. Bibles. But anyway. But no, like that was what was happening. Like I could be reading a book with headphones in, and like they'd be tapping on my shoulder, <laughs> and like, and it wasn't just anyone. It was a pastor. But the thing was, they were never from Carney. They were always from a different town, and I was just like. Why are all these pastors coming to me? You know, I'm like, this is weird. Like, this That's is straight so weird. up weird. And I really, really felt like he was calling me into ministry. And but it was like, I knew I couldn't do that until like, you know, like I really did give my life to Jesus. And I remember telling Aaron that, and I was like, you know, telling him like, I need to go into ministry. Like, I really feel like God's telling me you need to go into ministry. And it's like that's a pretty big thing, bro. Like he's like you're a yeah. two day old Christian, right. so right. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, give it a week. Almost, like almost like you need to chill, you know. Like how about you officially join the church? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like that's kind of how I think he felt. And he's like, "If I were you, I'd pray about it, man." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay." And like I went home that night, and I remember like talking to my mom, and like I didn't tell her I was gonna drop. I kind of like wanted to tell her I was gonna drop out of school to do this because like it's pretty monumental, you know. I'm 10 classes away from graduating and I'm about to drop out of college and I remember looking at her and she like didn't look like she felt good I was like are you okay and she's like ah I've just been having headaches something said brain tumor like in my like Hmm. something said brain tumor to me like clear as day and I was like like why would you say that Joe like in your head you know like that's a weird thought I brush it off the next day I I'm sitting in my my apartment in my room and I'm listening to like the sermon by Erwin McManus and like, <gasps> do you know Erwin? Yes. Yeah. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know this part of your story. Yeah. You know, Erwin, Erwin was my pastor in really? L.A. at Mosaic. I didn't know that. Really? Yes. Okay. So. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> I didn't know this part. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm listening to Erwin. Sorry. <laughs> no, you could. I'm listening to Erwin McManus and like, his sermon just like hitting me so hard and I was like, this guy's amazing and like. 
Do you know what sermon it was? Oh yeah, it was. Was it the arrows? It was from Last Arrow. That's actually why I got this tattoo. Is from <gasps> the Arrow one is my favorite one. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> it was actually it was from Chasing Daylight. Uh-huh. But like his book Last Arrow was what inspired like my tattoo yeah. from like that story in the Bible. But that's funny. Um. So yeah, I'm listening to this. I almost quoted the arrow sermon when you are like, sometimes when there's a sermon that's right at you, yeah. that was the, that was the sermon, the, f- one of the first sermons I ever felt on that changed a big moment in my life in LA it was the arrow sermon. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> You're totally fine. It's all a, a link to the arrow sermon in yeah. the bio. <laughs> I was listening to shaking ground though, from his book, chasing daylight, which is what I'm reading right now. But, um, I was listening to it and I remember like in that he was praying, he's like, Man, even if you're out in the Midwest listening to this on a podcast, right? Like straight up, and I'm like, oh my you're like, God. wait a minute. And like, do you like look around, like look behind I, you? A and it's bit. and it's just yeah, and it was just me like in my room, and like I remember like the spot I was at, like and everything, and he was just like, you know, like some of you guys haven't crossed this line of faith yet, like you haven't prayed the prayer that's gonna completely change your life, and like when you step into this moment, like I'm about to ask you to it'll change your life forever and like it was literally like his words and like he was just like just pray a simple prayer like if you're willing to do it if you're willing to like step across this line of faith just say this simple prayer like jesus i give you my life that's it nothing crazy and i say it and like as soon as i said it i like the tears that fell out of my eyes and like laughing almost i was like laughing and crying Mm. it was probably like the scariest sight anyone could possibly (laughs) see but like it was like pure joy and happiness in my life and like full come circle like you know like i was like whoa like i did it like you know like and that's the thing like like it worked it finally worked it doesn't you know? matter what <laughs> you don't have to be fancy about it yeah. it doesn't matter what yeah. words you say yeah. yeah it doesn't you know like totally yeah. different but like yeah for catholicism i think a lot of people mm-hmm. get hung up on the confession side yeah, yeah yeah and like there are like you can go in and you can follow this whole script and you can say like bless me father if i have sinned it's been this long since remember and all of these things mm-hmm. i don't know how to do that yeah I learned it when I was yeah. in fourth grade. <laughs> I could bring the script in with me, but mm-hmm. for me, yeah. I just need to go in and I say, this is what's on my, you know, like this yeah. is what I've done. Yep. Do I necessarily say every single sin that I've done since the last time I confessed? Yeah. No. Is that maybe what's intended? Maybe, but yeah. is that what I need? No, I need to say what is weighing on my heart. Completely agree. So like at that yeah. point, you needed to say That's, yeah, exactly what that I you to wanted say. Jesus in your life. Yeah. And as soon as you said it, like, yeah, you know, and really felt it i did yeah and like right after that as soon as that sermon got over it was just like I'm, i prayed again and i was like god please give me a sign that i'm not crazy and that i'm gonna go into ministry like i need a sign otherwise i'm not doing it like i'm gonna stay in school and i'm gonna hate my life finishing out this degree i don't care about but like i need a sign so i got in my car and i went to like the church i was going to at the time and i like sat down with like the associate pastor there and i told him what had happened like i told him about the articles and everything that like spiraled into like what it was at the time and leaving the, his office i was like that oh, wasn't the sign like that was not the sign it should have been made way clear i go to work that day i get a phone call from my mom at three i get a phone call from my dad at like 301 i get another call from my mom my dad my mom my dad and i refused to answer him because mm-hmm. I, I knew i knew it was going to be something bad mm-hmm. five o'clock rolls around my brother calls me he's like hey man do you want me to pick you up i'm on my way to omaha mom has a brain tumor so like like I said, literally the day before brain tumor, right? So now it's ten o'clock at night, my brother finally gets to Carney. 
I'm tired. Like I've got all my all my stuff packed up and like the whole time as I'm driving like something was telling me it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay and I'm like I'm going to be pissed if these are like, you know, like but no, I I really feel like God was like, eh, it's going to be okay." You know, like why are you worried? <laughs> so I just had this sense of calm the whole time while everyone around me is like freaking out. And um we get to Omaha, it's like 3 in the morning. I finally get to bed at like 3:30 and my dad drags me out of bed at like six, so I'm running on two and a half hours of sleep, like Folgers coffee and Mountain Dew and fear. Like, you know, <laughs> and like, Folgers with no cold. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, Folgers coffee to a guy who works yeah. at a coffee restaurant. Right. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's disgusting coffee. I can't stand it. So I remember we walk into my mom's room. Like my brother stayed in the hotel with like my my sister in law and like their little baby and like. So it's just my mom, my dad, and I, and, like, even though, like I said, like, everything was telling me, you're okay, and, like, I'm staying calm up until this point, and I'm reading this book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, right? I have that book, too. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, like, super fitting for the situation, right? So, like, yeah, I was like, no, it isn't supposed to be like this, and I'm reading this book, and I'm trying to stay calm and, like, positive, but at the same time, everyone's looking at me like, how are you reading a book right now? And, like, mm. and I'm flying through this book. Like, this book is good. And it's a... Lisa is like in in her book she's like telling like a lot of like really crappy things that have happened to her in her life but like a lot of those like I was like man I feel that you know like this is sad I'm sorry like up and kind of through that too and she has a lot of passages from the bible that like correlate with like her life and I remember getting on um, page 180 and 181 and there was a passage from John and then there was a passage from 1 Peter 4 and something said you should read those to your mom like you know like in me and like i was like i don't know if now's the time like even though i grew up like you know in a church with like my parents like we never really discussed christianity all that much or the bible like or praying like well and it's so and it was just it makes you feel so vulnerable right yeah, to bring yeah. yeah and like and you know like i think there's a time and a place for everything and like it just maybe that was the right time you know but like i just like i couldn't get myself to do it so i turned on to the next page <laughs> And I remember, like, looking at those two Bible verses, and I was like, man, she could hear this. Like, I mean, she could really probably benefit from this. And it was just like, we got to that scary moment where it was like, fear just crept up on everybody to the point where we're all crying, and, like, the surgery could go wrong. Like, you know, it was like, we all hit our breaking point. And we're sitting there, and something's like, "Eh, go back and read those verses. So I did, like, I flipped back and I read that, that verse from John and, like, by read, like, I mean, I'm barely choking him out. Like, I'm so emotional. And I finally finished, like, this verse, I think it was, like, it's First Peter 4, 12 through 13. So it says, um, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as that you can rejoice in, like, Christ suffered and should rejoice that, you know, like, it pretty much says, like, in this this verse is, like, if you believe in Jesus, like, you can get through anything and this life will throw at you. And, like, don't be surprised, like, when life kicks you in the face. Like, it's going to happen, right? Like, it really is. But, like, if you can rejoice in that fact, man, you're going to get through anything this life has to offer. And, like, I read that to my mom. And she just looked at me and, like, looked at me in the eyes. And it was, like, it wasn't my mom speaking to me, but, like, it was my mom speaking to me. And she was, like son, I want you to go into ministry, you know, and like, like, all she said was like, that's what she said, and I'm like, I'm taken back, like, 
Yeah, where did that come from? You know, and she's like, you've always wanted to help people, and this is how you can. The church is a broken place, and I think you can be the one to help fix it. And that's literally what she said. And I'm like, we, and like I just said, like we never talked about church growing up. We never talked about the Bible. We never talked about praying. We never talked about Jesus all that much. So I'm like, where the heck, you know? And I'm like, that's the sign I prayed for. Oh like, yeah. You know, I was like, I prayed for a sign. I got it. And then your oh. mom, and it was my that you're mom. close to, says you should do this. And it was through my mom. And like, that's the thing is, I look back all the time, and I'm like, Devin, when I was 15, was one of the most influential people in my life. God tried speaking through him, but I didn't listen. You know, people in my youth group are really influential in my life, but I listened to them. And now all these pastors to like, you know, break me down until it was my mom, you know? Cause like, you just respect pastors, right? Like you have that respect and like, they're influential. And then like, it's your mom. And like, mm. I was like, okay. I was like, I was gonna tell you I was dropping out of school to do this. And like, you know. It's easier now. Yeah. And um, they did the surgery that day and like, she was fine, got the tumor out, and like, you know, and it was just like, dropped out of school. I finished out my semester at college, dropped out of school, and then started volunteering with the college ministry at E-Free and Kearney. And next thing I know, I have an internship, and like, next thing I know, I'm like, I'm doing messages every now and again, teaching, and like, then every now and again, I get to go tell this story at places. And like, every single time I get a call to like, you know, tell my testimony, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, every single time I'm like, God's asking me to go do it, so why would I not, you know? So I never, like, turned down an offer when anyone asked me to, like, tell this story. I say so many churchy things now. <laughs> but, like, well, he you know, said come to Jesus moment a couple times in earnest, yeah, not, like, as, a, like, an expression. Yeah, he said, like, no, a real... Like, they, were, they were, like, real come to yeah. Jesus moments. But, like, you know, like, I really did. I really lucked out with, like, my parents and, like, yeah. the situation. And, like, God definitely knew what he was doing, like, when this happened, you know? And, like, how can I be mad at that? Mm. right i just feel i keep i feel like i keep making this about me sorry but <laughs> i okay. tell we relate to people yeah sorry let's talk about me more okay no yeah. <laughs> i had to pull this up because when you're talking about being in the room with your mom waiting when she had the brain tumor mm-hmm. um with in april with my mom she's i have to say it with air quotes just because i feel like i can't she's in remission maybe you know like we're scanning to scan. But April was the first time we found that out. And that morning, you know, you, you know the feeling. We're driving to the appointment. Every, it's like awkward silence. And then you're like, you know, sometimes we're Catholic. Hi. We pray a rosary. You know, just because, number one, it fills the space. Yeah. And it makes you feel like you're doing something, you know. Yeah. But also, it's just like it gives you a little peace. It gives, you know, there's something to do. Yep. Um, something that we can do together, you know. But that morning, I didn't do that, I don't think. Because usually, I think if my sister's not with us, I have to be the one that says, like, hey, do you guys want to pray a rosary? Do you guys want to do that? You know? But um, my mom has a devotional that I started taking from the church now, too, that just has, like, the daily readings that we do at at Mm -hmm. Mass. And so um, that day, I just happened to grab. Sometimes I take it, sometimes I don't. I grab my Bible and that little book, and I just thought... Sometimes you're sitting there and you just need something, you know? So I read the daily readings or whatever, and it's about the in Acts where the lame man is healed and gets up and walks. Oh, yeah. Acts chapter 3. And I'm just like, what? Like, it was hard to read that and not think, like, today's going to be a good day. But you still can't. Like, in my, you know, my gut's still like, "Ah." and my brother gets to the appointment, and I'm like, well... 
like I, uh, you know, I read this morning. He's like, I know, uh, you know, he's like, he had read it also. <laughs> so we're all sitting there waiting for the appointment, but like, just thinking like, this is, this can be good. Maybe mm-hmm. kind of, you know? And then, yeah, the doctor comes in and says that everything is dramatically shrunk. That, yeah. like, the results are outstanding. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, yeah. like, hard to believe. Yeah. But, you know, God is just there. And that reading mm-hmm. was there for everyone else, too, in another way. You know? Yeah. It's not, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to wrap your mind around that sometimes. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can just relate so much to you sitting, talking about sitting in that room and... That's funny that you like you brought up acts is because like um, this summer like for C twenty like with the ministry I'm helping with like that's what we're teaching so that was last week's and then like this week we did like four and five but I was reading like I was reading a, I was reading a passage I was reading a passage out of like Matthew ten and like it was like uh, Jesus was telling his disciples you know like and like this is foreshadowing like into acts and he was just like I'm never don't worry about when like the time comes like for what for like you know for what you need to say it was like in those moments god will provide the words for you to say yeah and like just like that it was like you're literally holding it in your hands like are you gonna read it or not you know (laughs) and like so like uh, that's like what it made me think of and like when you were saying that but Mm, yeah it's is every interaction you have like this where I gasp at one point and Katie, <laughs> you've been reading the same verse as Katie in the last week. Is it basically every interaction you have something like that? Like when I tell this story? Or yeah. Like, oh yeah, every time. Every time there's yeah. somebody who's like, <gasps> Yeah, normally, normally like when I tell the story, especially like at church, like everyone's crying, especially moms. Yeah. Like that's who it always hits the most is like any mom, but. Well, I'm dead inside, sorry. <laughs> it's not that I, it's not, I'm not moved. I don't cry. That's <laughs> no, all good. And except for random times at the worst stuff like have you yeah. ever seen the movie just married with ashton kutcher Murphy? Uh, bald and they wouldn't open the gate <laughs> well i think on just married <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up we uh we end every podcast with a couple of questions uh the first one is <clears throat> if you could summarize everything we talked about sort of today, if you had one thing you want our audience to take away from today so that they would have some knowledge of what this experience is like for you, what life is, you know, I, mm. I, ulcerative colitis sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first bullet point. Um, <laughs> life can be crazy sometimes and God is always working in your life and you just got to be willing to open your eyes and look at that sometimes. Open your heart. I, and I think for me, I, you don't even have to open your eyes. You just have to not fight it sometimes. You know, like, yeah. just trust, which yeah. is the hardest thing. I like that you pointed out that he just is a little relentless. <laughs> like, just the, the opportunities keep coming. Like, he's oh, not yeah. he's not giving up. Yeah, he, he did not stop pursuing me. And, like, I mean, it's like that for everybody. That's very know? much been my experience as yeah. well. And, like, I feel like we all, like... I feel like it's at the moments where we are like at our lowest point is where like it is most prominent but it's when you're on like those emotional highs those spiritual highs those like wonderful seasons of your life where like you're like is god here right now and then like next thing you know you're like in a drought and you're like what is happening (laughs) you know and it's like are you even here like but like you go back to those moments where you're like okay he was here there he's here here and like i saw it all the time you know like for three months almost straight every single day there was like a god encounter moment like even yesterday i had like five you know and like when you're seeing them all the time it's like 
how can I question it? Like, in, when I hit that season of drought, you know, like mm-hmm. right. for real, you know. Yeah. So I do have that. I have a, a moment I go back to continually yeah. and be like, "Yep, yep, yeah. yep." Yeah. Still like, checks out. That's that's me with my mom. Like yep. every mm-hmm. time, like whenever I'm having a rough day, I'm like, "Ah, oh, is God listening to me?" I'm like, oh, "He was this day when I was sitting there in the hospital with my mom." Like because I think you've touched yeah. on doubt is part of faith. Yeah. <laughs> doubt is a thing that yeah. creeps back, you know, yeah. in the ugliest times. You have to just push it away continually, yeah. all the time. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Deep. Uh, okay. Light, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then our second question is: We want you to do our job for yeah. us. Um, what is, topics can do you know of that we should like? Is there something you don't understand? Is there an expert in something that you think would be cool? You don't have to know the expert either, but no, maybe you Is there something you'd be interested in listening to a one-hour podcast about? Right. I'm always intrigued with like medical stuff. Like I was so fascinated with it. Like when I was sick, I was just like. You know, everything from that to, like, insurance, like, in those times, like, you know, like, kind of how, like, we got off on that banter for a little bit, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like a lot of people don't really know, like, that's, like, one thing. It's, like, how much does it cost, you know? And, Is this like, the second week in a row? Or yeah, second that's time? what our guest said last time, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess we'll, I I guess we'll it, look it for it that person. It just feels like such a, like, Debbie Downer thing to do, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, but, like, it's really Listen to this super fun conversation about how insurance sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much to Joe for being yeah, here with thank us. Thank you for having me. Uh, stop in and try his blueberry cold brew. Is that yeah, what you told me it blueberry, is? It's Joe's blueberry cold brew at Joe, Calico. At Calico Coffee in Kearney. Um, and Look for br- the ministers. Bring your Bible. <laughs> it's, it, they love them there. Yeah. Uh, and if you have an idea for a topic for us, you can email us at noconceptpod at gmail.com. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, you can email us again at noconceptpod at gmail.com. Listen to us anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, follow us on social media. Noconceptpod. Everywhere. Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> Except for on Twitter. Not on uh, Twitter. No one Twitter. And that's all we have for today. And maybe we'll have a theme song to play us out in the near future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>